Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. This morning we read from Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through chapter 4, verse 11. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a lighting, lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not, be, shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the, te- of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended to him. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. Thank you, Kimberly. And so here we are, the beginning of the season of Lent, the beginning of a new worship series, a series of the way, walking in the footsteps of Jesus. What does it mean to walk in someone else's footsteps? We've all heard the phrase, you know, walk a mile in my shoes. Uh, Have there been people that you 
have not wanted to walk a mile? Have there been people that you haven't wanted to walk 10 steps in their shoes? Uh, There are times I wonder about walking in the footsteps of Jesus and whether or not that is something not only would I, am I trying to do, but do I really want to do that? Boy, that is difficult. But that is what we're called to do. We're called to be like Jesus. You know, that walking in those footsteps, it, it's what it means to be like them, to embody their life, to understand their thoughts, their ideas, their hopes, and their dreams. And so during this season, we're going to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, learning about his life and about many different topics. And so uh, before we get started, I just want to give you an overview of these particular topics, because today is baptism and temptation. Uh, Then next week, we're going to talk about Jesus' healing ministry, about the many people that he healed and what he did while he was doing that. And then we'll move on to proclaiming the kingdom, which, which focuses around not only the kingdom and what is the kingdom of God like, but also Jesus' teachings about the kingdom. One of my favorites, uh, talking about how Jesus calmed the storms. The storms in our life, the storms in your life. We're going to talk about how we treat others as we talk about sinners, outcasts, and the poor. We're going to talk about that final week. That final week between Palm Sunday, which includes Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and, and Resurrection Sunday. And then finally on Easter, we're going to get an opportunity to talk about our own defining story. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, and we enter into this space to hear your message for us to hear your message for your people. And so, God, I ask that that the words that I speak would no longer be mine, that they would be your words for your people. God, your message for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So those are all of our themes that we're going to talk about uh, over the next few weeks here, uh, about what it means to be Christ-like in our Christian walk. And hopefully that at the end of these six weeks that you'll be able to have journeyed a little bit with those and, and realized as you look back that, that you are living a more Christ-like life uh, in your life today. So let's take a quick look at our theme for the day. For the, day. The, team, the theme is baptism and temptation. Baptism and t- temptation. So let's see what this could mean in our journeys to be like Christ. Uh, there's two main points. I'm going to tell you the points right up front. Just for you who, who like that and want to know what the points are going to be, here are the two main points that I want you to take away from today. And I think I may have, uh, may have those up on the slide. So here's the first one. When we are baptized, we are initiated into Christ's church, into the body of Christ. That's what it means to be baptized. And so we're going to talk a little bit about baptism. We're going to, we're going to take a look actually through this other wonderful book called the Book of Worship. So we'll dive into that here. I know some of you are probably getting worried going, oh my gosh, is he breaking out the Book of Discipline? <laughs> no, it's the Book of Worship. We're good there. Uh, so we're going to take a look at baptism. And here's the second point. The second point is when we are tempted, as we all are, we need to be able to respond correctly and give, and Jesus gives us a perfect example of things that we can do. So those are the two points 
that I want you to take away from today. And so here we go. Baptism. Baptism is a sacrament. And by this I mean that it's something that Jesus ordained within his life. And what I mean by that is that Jesus gives us instruction on how and why we do this. That is what we in the United Methodist Church determine as a sacrament. And if you, if you remember, there are two sacraments within the United Methodist tradition. And the one is baptism. And the second is communion. Holy communion, Eucharist, the great Thanksgiving. So many different words that we can use for that. Uh, those are the two sacraments. So this sacrament, just like communion, is an outward sign of an inward grace. An outward sign of an inward grace. An inward change in our lives. Through baptisms, we are welcomed into Christ's holy church. We're welcomed into the community. But we're not only initiated into this church. Sometimes people get that confused. They say, well, I was baptized here at Journey of Hope, and so I'm baptized into this community. No, you are also incorporated into God's great salvation plan, which includes all of the churches. That would be church with the big C, not the church with the little C. As we become, and then we become part of his plan to save all of creation. Hear that again. We become part of God's plan in salvation. In saving all of creation. That might be a little heavy this morning. I think, wait a minute, so we have a part to play in God's great salvation plan? Yes, each and every one of you has a part to play in God's salvation plan. God can't do it without all of us. Well, God can, but God doesn't want to do it without all of us. We are part of that plan. And so also please understand that baptism is something that God does. And this is where sometimes some of the, uh, the differing beliefs uh, come in. Our faith tells us that this is something that God does. We participate in it, so we have a part to play. But it is something that God does. And so in this, I want, I want to actually go to the book of worship. I almost said the book of discipline. Uh, because I wanted to, to, to read this part of the liturgy of the baptism, uh, the baptism service. Because as we, as we get into the baptism service, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about this. We said, you know, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. I just said this. And given new birth through the water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered without a price to each and every one of us. And so in a few months, we're going to talk a little bit more about this too. And JJ will, has heard a little bit about this, and he'll keep hearing more about this. But through confirmation and through the reaffirmation of our faith, we renew the covenant declared at our baptism. We acknowledge what God is doing for us and affirm our commitment to Christ's holy church. And then we ask some of these questions, these wonderful questions about our faith. And what do we believe in? We even get to the point where we recite the Apostles' Creed. We share more of our faith. But here is this beautiful liturgy about baptism. And it talks about how water 
is used throughout our life. And it is this prayer of thanksgiving over the water. And so here, what this this wonderful tradition of the United Methodist Church shares about this. When nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through, brought through the Jordan the River to the land which you promised. And it doesn't stop there. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of the womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples, who, by the way, a lot of them were fishermen out on the water, to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and make disciples of all nations. Water plays such a huge part in God's salvation plan and especially through our beliefs in baptism. It is an amazing thing. If you listen fully to to what we share at baptism, and don't worry, we're going to get to share in it pretty soon. We only have a few weeks uh, before we share in a, in a baptism here again. So we look forward to that, uh, to that time. But you notice throughout the sacrament, because if you remember even in, the, in this sacrament of baptism, there's a point where I ask the congregation, if you affirm and if you pledge to help those who are being baptized, we all have a part to play. In baptism, we all participate in the life of those who are baptized in Christ's church. We can't just sit back and watch things unfold. We need to be active participants in their lives. God has called us to that. We've got two of you out here in the congregation that are mentors to confirmation students. That's a call to participate in this growth this baptismal vow. This is the beginning for for the ones who are baptized. And participating in the sacrament reminds us of our baptism too. When things were just beginning for us. You see, Jesus' ministry began as soon as he was baptized. This was the mark of his, I guess, his three-year ministry leading up to his death and resurrection. So that we can say that because Jesus began his ministry upon baptism... That we, being Christ-like, should do the same after we are baptized. We should be participating in God's salvation plan. That wonderful plan that he has for us. Now, just because we are baptized, does this mean that life is going to be a bed of roses? That everything is going to be good? We're going to have nothing but good days from here on out? That, that everything's going to be wonderful? It should be a resounding no. Because <laughs> if anybody's life has been perfect since baptism, just raise your hand. And then we can pray afterwards. <laughs> Jesus shows us this when, when just after he was baptized, what happens? In fact, I think it's in the Gospel of Mark that it says, immediately Jesus is led out into the wilderness where he is tempted for 40 days. Immediately after baptism. 
And now this wilderness that is spoken of in Scripture is not the place that sometimes we have in mind. I mean, I had this thing envisioned when I was growing up in the faith, and I thought, oh yeah, the wilderness, what is that? That's, you know, that's with lush forests and waterfalls and campfires and s'mores. That's the wilderness. That was a wilderness camping, right, Keith? You go camping, and that's what you experience. But no. And some of you have seen it. Some of you have, have talked about it. Some of you have seen it firsthand. You've gone out and seen the desert. But if you haven't, have you ever been to South Dakota, and the Badlands in South Dakota? You might have an idea of what the wilderness, the Judean wilderness looks like. If you think about that, desolate hills, almost nothing green, and about everywhere, dust. Everywhere. That is the Judean wilderness. Not a very happy place to be. In fact, it is said that the wilderness spoken of in Scripture can also be a metaphor for all of those places that we don't want to go. Do you have a place that you don't want to go? That maybe God has called you in your life to say, hey, how about here? And you're hearing in your head, Nineveh, going, no, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I want to go somewhere else. Many others had their time in the wilderness too. Abraham, Moses, the Israelites, These and many others experienced their own wildernesses. But notice that in all of those times, God used those experiences to strengthen them, to help them grow in their relationship with God. It was beneficial for them. Seminary was one of my wildernesses. Not sure about going, about how well I would do, about what I would learn, even how I was going to pay for it, were some of the questions that I was bombarded with daily. I guess you could say that even before I entered the process, I was beginning those temptations of, don't do it. It's going to be too hard. It's too expensive. And, and you, are you sure you want to give up everything that you've built up to this point? Temptations come in from all sides. So Jesus is baptized and immediately goes into the wilderness to be tempted. And some would say that he was being tested. But I always had a question. How do we know this? This is one of the couple, a couple instances where, where Jesus is alone, but yet we know the facts about his testing time. So th- certainly I would say that, well, Jesus told his disciples about this. Should this have, could this have been another teaching moment for Jesus and his disciples? I'm sure that Jesus was tempted in more than, than just three ways. But that's all we hear about. I mean, really? 40 days and three temptations? Doesn't sound like a very ambitious Satan to me. (laughs) So I'm sure that there were more, but we know of these three. But these are the three that we know about. So why does Jesus choose these three? I think it's in giving the disciples a view into his life, into what it means to walk in Jesus' sandals. Jesus is teaching them so they could be more Christ-like. So here we find that Jesus is tempted, like many of us would be if we were fasting for 40 days. Maybe if we were fasting for four hours. The first one, he's tempted with food. 
tempted with food. Then, you know, then he is tempted with something completely different. After the food, we can, we can see this second temptation in a few different ways. But I want to look at it from an angle that, that you might not have seen before. This is uh, the way Adam Hamilton brings it up in the book. Uh, and maybe in your small groups, you can have this conversation around us. But Jesus is tempted to throw himself down from the pinnacle of the temple. Jesus knows the plan for his life. He knows how the story is going to end. And yet, here is the devil telling himself to, telling Jesus to throw himself down now. End it now. Don't go through with it. Don't go through the plan. It's going to be too hard, too painful. Just quit. Man, I tell you, I heard those. I heard those temptations beginning this, of this wonderful and impossible task of ordained ministry. It's going to be too hard. It's going to take too much time. Just quit. Just quit. Walk away. Go back to what you think you know. Just leave it. Man, I am so glad that I did not listen to those temptations. And finally... Jesus is tempted with wealth and power. Certainly, he had all the power, but what kind of wealth and power was this that the devil was offering? It was the kind that the world worships. All the power, all the money in the world. But Jesus knew far better. So in these three temptations, what we see we see that Jesus could have been tempted with all of these things. And his response always came from Scripture. Now, understand that Satan is the ultimate proof texter of Scripture. The ultimate proof texture of Scripture. He knows Scripture very well and can find those parts that when taken out of context would say whatever he wanted them to. But Jesus knew Scripture better. Probably because it was all about him. In the beginning was the word. And so here Jesus shows us how we can fight temptation. Knowledge of scripture. But even more than that, a relationship with scripture. A relationship with whom the scripture is all about. Through our relationship with Jesus Christ, we are able to fight all of those temptations. All of those temptations. With our relationship with Jesus Christ, with your relationship with Jesus Christ, you can fight off all of those temptations. Rest in that, knowing that that is with you. And so what have we learned today? Baptism does not lead to an easy, cushy life, but directly into temptation. And why not? If you really think about it, why not? Satan knows that he is losing another one to the grace of God. So why not do all that he can to lure us away from that relationship? You see it all around. People falling into temptation, falling away from their relationship with Jesus Christ, and falling directly into the waiting grasp of the devil himself. Therefore, we need to fight even harder 
to stay on that straight and narrow path. We must become more Christ-like in everything that we do and everything that we say. So remember, brothers and sisters, that through baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church, not just this journey of Hope Church, but into the church universal, God's church. We are initiated into that church. And then we face temptations. And so when you face temptations, be like Christ in his resistance of temptation through scripture and through a relationship with him. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, God, we thank you for our baptism. We are thank you, thankful for that new life that you offer to us. And God, we are also thankful and grateful that we have this relationship with you, that, that when temptations come our way, God, that we can rely on Scripture and our relationship with you to help us in those temptations. God, you always tell us that when we are tempted, there will be a door, there will be a window, there will be an escape a way out of those temptations. And so help us as we face them each and every day. Help us with the words to say, with the actions to do, to walk away from those temptations. God, all this I ask. In the, son, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I encourage you to, uh, to stand and join in our closing hymn as we talk about this relationship with Jesus Christ. What? I think Mary just talked about this. So kids, if, if you didn't know the song, now you're going to hear it. You could sing along with it. So what a friend we have in Jesus. Have we trials and temptations? Have your hand together and take it to the Lord in prayer. It'll help us through those temptations and those trials that we have. So as you go forth from this place, remember that you are a baptized child of God. And if you are, actually I should say this, and if you are not, if you have not been baptized, certainly have a conversation with me. I'd love to have that conversation with you. Uh, but remember that you are God's children. That God loves you just as you are. God loves all of us just as we are. And so go forth from this place knowing that. And knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with us. And it goes with us always. Amen.